I'm your host, Aaron Groves, and welcome to the Pop Podcast. Were you always passionate about like the health and wellness space or? Yeah. So I kind of talk about that. Um, I've always been into sports. I've always been into like taking care of my body and running and working out. Um, I just didn't know there was a place professionally to align those two loves. So that's why it's been so cool to give and like do all the health and wellness while also making like a profitable income and make a business structure out of it. Did you play sports in high school? I played lacrosse in high school. Um, I did cross country my whole life. I've skied my whole life. I've kind of like bopped around from sports. Um, And I talk about that also. Like I've never been really full heartedly into something. Like I pick up passion to passion to passion and just jump around. Yeah. And I think with Restore, it's been really fun to like make this my full long term passion. Why do you feel that you jump around? Do you feel like it's just your personality or? I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I think just like getting bored and getting overwhelmed and finding new things and just jumping from thing to thing. I, I noticed that in college, like I transferred and then I moved to Los Angeles, to New York, to Dallas. So I've been all around the country. But I think finally for once in my life, I feel like set and content here in Dallas with my job, like with my friends, um, just like ready to take it on. I, That's definitely something that I resonate with. I feel like I'm someone that will hop to thing to thing or even when it comes to like working out in general, like I'll be super into hot yoga for six days. Yeah. And then a week later, I'm like, okay, now I'm running a half marathon. So I definitely feel like it's in my personality to bob around. Do you feel like with Restore that has made it challenging just being kind of locked into one thing? Obviously, there's a financial investment and everything involved in the store or no? I think it's made it easy just because I can't pick up and leave. Like if I were to be like, okay, I'm selling this business. One, the embarrassment and shame and guilt that all my friends would be like, oh, you lasted two months. (laughs) (laughs) So I think the shame. Two months longer than you did. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I think the shame and guilt definitely like play a factor in it, which is embarrassing to even say. But um, I just think it's, I can't bop around making my love and passion more meaningful with this so like I'm really all invested full-heartedly like I don't sleep at night because I think about it I'm like what do I have to do tomorrow and my brain is just constantly on with restore stuff so it's made it like a no-brainer that I have to do this whereas anything else in life like I was never into school studying was just like meh to me Um, so I've never had a full passion where I was like obligated to do it whereas like yeah obviously I need to study for school but like if I didn't get a pluses who cares like but if I didn't show up to restore and I didn't pay the bills and do the expenses, like it will fail. Like I have to do it and I'd love to do it. It's this not fear of failure, but I feel like when there's that sense of, I don't, it's like a something pushing you and you know that if you don't show up that everything that you're working so hard to is going to fall through. And I'm not explaining this in the best way, but that's something with me too. Like even with the podcast, it's like, if I don't show up and do the episodes, there's going to be nothing. And that to me is scarier than just getting up and doing it. So I feel like I can resonate with. Yeah. And like, obviously I do have employees to show up every day to like help me do the job. But if I don't come and like unlock the door and start checking people in and doing that job, like the business will fail. And that's why I need to start like finding the people that can help me with these different obstacles. And so I can focus on bigger things in the business and not just running the day to day. Yeah. Doing like the operation type stuff. 
you did a lot of internships in big cities, which I think is super cool that you had the opportunity to do that. In each of those experiences, what do you think that taught you about yourself professionally that you've taken into Restore as being the owner of the business? Um, I think that definitely the biggest thing is that I cannot be told what to do. And I know that's, <laughs> that sounds so stupid and childish and I'm just a control freak. So like growing up, I knew I never wanted to be in a sorority. Like I don't want to be told that I have to come to chapter on mm-hmm. Tuesday night. And if I don't come to chapter, I'm going to get fined. Like I've never been told what to do. And like sometimes my parents are like, that's the biggest thing that you don't know your place. And so I think with having my own business, like obviously I need to know what to do, but there's no one telling me what to do and holding my hand and like con- controlling me essentially. And so I think with all my internships, no, none of them were bad and I've learned a lot from them. Yeah. But just the nine to five being told what to do, like doing mundane tasks, that just wasn't for me. Was there a point that you recognize that about yourself? Because that is literally, I tell everyone, I don't like to be told what to do. Mm-hmm. And I struggle with that in relationships because if a guy's like, oh, you need to do this. I'm like, oh, and I'm like going crazy on them. And it's like, it's okay to an extent, but I definitely agree with you. Like the, I think it, it is control. Like I don't want someone to control me because I want to be able to be in control of my emotions. I'm recognizing that is not always a strength, but was there a point, come back to my initial question that you recognize like, hey, the nine to five isn't for me. Was it during an internship or? Actually, no. So I was supposed to move to Los Angeles post-graduation and obviously COVID happened right when I was graduating. And so the job that I had out in Los Angeles, they had to rescind the offer because um, there were no events going on. And the internship I had was an event coordination. So for different alcohol brands like uh, Modelo, uh, Svedka, Kim Crawford, wine. Um, so it was really awesome. But yeah. unfortunate timing that they had to take away the offer of the job um, just because of COVID and no events. Yeah. And so at that point, I was really clueless what I wanted to do. I didn't want to move back out to Los Angeles just because I didn't have a lot of friends out there. I didn't have a job out there. I broke up with my boyfriend out there. So there was just nothing dragging me to Los Angeles anymore. And that's when I had to really like focus in on what I wanted to do. Um, And like we talked about before, that's when moving to Dallas and starting this just kind of fell into my lap. And now we're here. (laughs) Elaborate a little bit more on that story, because I think there's a lot of people I'm in a position now where I don't have a job and you were one of the first people that I talked to about a job opportunity. So there's a lot of people that can resonate with that story. So share a little bit more about not having a job through COVID and then how you knew that restore was the right opportunity for you to pursue. Okay. So first it's embarrassing. Like I remember right after I graduated and like everyone had their jobs lined up and they would be starting to go to school, starting to go to work right after school ended. So in August they would start their jobs and I was just picking up random things like I was a nanny for six months and then I was helping a doctor with his website and I was just picking up things here and there. So the embarrassment and like guilt of that was definitely a big part. Um, But I think just taking the time and finding something you love and really being passionate about it, like the whole restore from start to opening the doors took about two years. And so it's not going to happen overnight. Yeah. And really figuring out that that's the passion you want to do. Where did the idea from restore come from because for all of you that don't know restore is hyper wellness it's a franchise based out of austin texas so where did this initial idea come for you to franchise a location in dallas so i remember very clearly my dad and i were sitting in my kitchen in pittsburgh and this was right when i was deciding that i was moving to dallas um just because i moved here and my sister was here 
Um, and I remember him going through the top growing franchises in America. And we were literally just going through Google searches, just figuring out like which one resonated with me. I remember the first one I looked at was a juice bar and I was like, Ooh, I'll do a juice bar. Um, I was kind of just jumping at any opportunity. Yeah. Um, not really thinking about it long term. And then this is where Restore fell into my lap is when my dad's business partner at CBRE, he opened up a franchise location in Pittsburgh in Upper St. Clair of Restore. And so one day my dad made me an appointment out there. I went out there. I did an IV drip. I did cryo. And I was like, wow, this is what I want to do. Um, so we started talking to the franchise developer at Restore in Austin. Um, we started looking at locations in Dallas, ended up going with West Village. Um, and then that's where the process started. Started doing bidding for construction, uh, started doing furnishings. Um, that's it. <laughs> you mentioned a little bit about your dad, and then we'll dive into more about the whole process that it, it took two years. I know he's an entrepreneur, as you told me. What has he taught you throughout this entire journey about starting a business and starting a franchise? Um, so I always joke about with everyone. So his motto is work hard, play hard. Uh, he's instilled that into me since I was a baby, as long as I can remember. He's instilled it in my sister, instilled it in his wife. Um, so it's just very important to our family. Um, and I think that resonates with me a lot because if I'm not having fun while I'm working, it's there's no point. Like that's the most important thing to me. And that's what I've noticed with Restore. It's fun, it's challenging, but it is rewarding. Um, so he has just always shown me to just keep grinding. He owns, I think, nine different businesses. He has a million different side hustles. Um, so he's never, ever stopping. I always joke with him, like, do you sleep? And he just laughs in my face and just keeps grinding. And so I think from a very young age, yeah. watching his work ethic, that has translated over into my life and to make me know that it's not just going to be handed to me and I'm going to have to work my butt off to play harder. I love that. My dad definitely, <clears throat> your story aligns a lot with mine. My dad, my dad has such a good work ethic. And I feel like when you have a figure like that, that you see working so hard mm -hmm. to get to where they got, especially like my dad didn't come from anything. So it's like when you work so hard and we talked about this in the car on the car ride over here, like it makes it so much more worth it when you look back and you're like, holy shit. Exactly. And he's always been so supportive. So like, like I mentioned, I like to bop around from different job to job or uh, passion to passion. He's always been so supportive and like completely thrown me into it, tried to set me up with connections and networking. So he's always, always, always been my backbone with that. And that's definitely makes me want to work harder for him and show him that this is like my true passion and love. Do you feel he sees something in you that he has in himself and that's why he's pushing you to go in that direction? Yeah, I think so. I remember growing up, I always just thought I was going to fall back onto real estate and development just because that's what he does for his full-time thing. Uh, my sister ended up doing that. His, My dad's brothers are doing that. So it's just in our family, yeah. um, the key and the eye for development and real estate. So I knew that I always had that as a fallback option. But um, I think going my own path and starting something on my own, he is so proud of me. And doing it with him, like he's a co-owner of a store with me. Um, and having this bonding experience has been so good for our relationship. Yeah. Um, definitely in the beginning, it wasn't good. I was <laughs> pressing him all the time. Like, why is this taking two years? Like, hurry up, help me sign the lease. Like, just being a typical brat of a daughter. But I think now that we're open and, and like doing well, he's definitely proud and wants to help me in any way he can. 
So two years from start to finish, walk the audience through and be detailed in why it took two years from start to finish. Because I think a lot of people see an output and they don't recognize the countless number of hours that went into getting that store and the doors open. Yeah. So I think the first part of it, just signing the lease and finding the location definitely took the longest time just because Texas didn't have a lot of the COVID shutdowns. So yeah. It was still hard to find that lease just because it was in the middle of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, so signing the lease, doing all of the um, back end of that, that took probably six to eight months just in itself. How did you decide on West Village? We decided on West Village just because it does have a lot of walking presence mm-hmm. with all the health and wellness there already, like SoulCycle and Class Studios and Berries and Core Power. Um, it just feel, felt like that was a good connection for me and to partner with all those stores there. Um, I also thought West Village is nice because it does have the dog park and the hotel. Um, We've noticed that people will just stumble upon us just walking past and looking at our window. Um, So just foot traffic has been great for us. Um, It's also, I was living in Uptown at the time that we started the whole process. It was close to home. Yeah. So after signing the lease and deciding, okay, this is where I want to put the location, what happens next after that? So after that, I went to owner training in Austin, and that's when I started the process of like learning all the different KPIs and goals and things I've never even heard of in my life. Like I took business classes, but this was a complete different side of business that I've never seen. Um, So I went to the owner training in Austin and just started focusing in on how to set up insurance for a company and how to start hiring people and how to pick furnishings for the ground and how to like find the right equipment for the team. Uh, So that was definitely a hard process. That was about, I would say, six months, that process. Wow. And then construction. Uh, Construction was great. It was quick. It was easy. Yeah. Um, Since we already did it once in Pittsburgh, um, we had the same team come down to Dallas and just do it down here, which was nice. They knew what they were doing. Um, But obviously there are delays with that. Like we had a delay with the fire marshal. So that pushed us back a week. Um, There were some holidays. So then that pushed us back. Um, getting in equipment from overseas and just delays in material was a hard challenge. So definitely different obstacles along the way, but the time, it was worth it. Yeah. You mentioned this a little bit to me that this entire process, and you kind of just mentioned it too, has been a lot of unknowns for people out there listening that are wanting to embark on this journey or maybe going through something in their life where there's a lot of unknowns. What advice would you give them for entering into something that you've literally never done before and all of the obstacles and roadblocks that are sent your way? Um, I know this is kind of cheesy, but like ask all those damn questions. Like it is so important. No question is a stupid question. Like I had no idea what KPIs were or no idea what paying rent on a commercial space looked like. (laughs) And so definitely ask. And like, if it's not going to get a clear answer you'll get one somehow just even by asking that what you thought was a stupid question but just ask any question and all questions what did that process teach you about yourself with just like whether it's in leadership or being a business owner or just even personally because I feel like I always mention and that's why I talk a lot about entrepreneurship but I weave in health and wellness because I think your personal life ties so much into your professional life that if one is kind of falling the other one goes with it so what did that entire process the two years really teach you about yourself personally I think 
but like what you just said, um, asking for help has always been a problem for me. Uh, I just like to put on my badass front and pretend that I'm fine <laughs> and just cruising through life. And I think sometimes on the inside, I'm like slowly cracking away and breaking. And so just asking for help, whether that's like work help or mental health or any help you need, ask the people around you, ask a professional, ask your family, ask your roommates. So definitely just reaching out and don't be scared of that. And I, I need to like even learn that advice myself. Still to this day, ask for the help. It's really hard. And I always say this, but I feel like it's just a common personality trait with a lot of entrepreneurs. We want to, I think it goes hand in hand with control, but you don't want to ask for help. I think part of it for me is like feeling that my question is stupid or you don't like to not know. But at the same time, it's leaning into that vulnerability because everyone else has been in that situation before or they're in that situation right now. And so there's really no harm in putting yourself out there because you also never know what's going to be received back. Nine times out of 10, the people that you're asking the question to are more than willing to help you and they're going to go above and beyond to get you where you need to go. Exactly. Opening the doors to restore was July 8th, and it's literally right across from my house. So the <laughs> irony of this entire situation. Going up to this, so after construction, what went into opening up the doors to restore, and what have you noticed since about the business that you didn't know when you opened up the doors? Um, so I definitely think hiring was a big, <laughs> long, challenging process. We kind of touched on this this morning. But um, just hiring the right people, I, I think I was settling for people just out of comfort and out of like selfishness that I didn't have to do it myself. So that has been my biggest challenge is finding good people and sticking with them and showing them that like their work is being paid off and telling them when they do good things and telling them when they need improvement. So that definitely took a little time and effort and I'm still trying to figure it out myself now. Yeah. What advice would you give for someone that's going through that hiring process? Things to look out for or things to look for in people that you're hiring? Take the first red flag. Absolutely. Do not think that you can change someone, especially in a work setting. Like take that first mess up, document it. Do not, obviously don't give up on the first thing, but definitely document everything and know that this could be and that people are going to end it. Yeah. It's hard when you don't know. And even for me, like the hiring process seems kind of superficial. So I can see how some people could be really good at not BSing, but kind of in a sense, like BSing to you to get the role. And then once they get into it, you're like, okay, this is not the person that I hired, mm -hmm. which I feel like kind of goes back into that gut instinct or just trusting yourself, which I think is hard when you're <clears throat> young and you're just new to starting a business. Exactly. I also kept having to remind myself that I know that these are my employees, but I still have to like them and I still want to be like their friend and be comfortable in their presence. And I think I need to mix, mix up the relationship and know that like I'm going to be with these people every single day. I have to like them. There's no two ways about that. Even if they do a good job behind the scenes in their job and can set stuff up for me for partnerships, I still have to like this person. And if I don't like them, it's just going to be a constant headache and clashing and a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> a true nightmare. Outside of hiring, what has been one of the biggest obstacles that you've overcome since opening this and how did you overcome it? I think balancing my personal and work life. 
There have been so many times where I'm like out at a bar or out at dinner with my friends and I'm checking my phone and booking someone for an IV the next day. And I'm like, why in the heck am I on my phone right now doing this? And so I definitely think finding those two separate life work balance is important. And I know it at 7 p.m. during the week, it's not all just going to turn off and I can pick it up the next morning. Like I'm always going to have that constant thought on my brain, but finding that very strong balance of work and social life. How have you done that? Or how have things shifted since? Well, I, right now I haven't been able to that much just because I don't, I'm a little bit short staffed and yeah. delegating is definitely not my best suit. But um, I'm hoping that once I find the right people that trust and care for the love of this um, workplace, then I'll be able to take a step away from the store and know that I'm in good hands and not freak out. Like even this hour that I'm at the studio, I'm like, oh my God, is everything okay at the store? I keep looking over at my phone, but I'm like, I'm allowed to take time away. And if I don't, I'm just going to burn out and I'm going to hate this job. I'm going to regret every second of it. And so definitely just like giving myself minutes away and days away, hours, whatever it is. Allowing yourself time and space. And I always say that I never willingly take that. I'm always forced into it. And then once I'm in that time, like for me right now, I don't have a job and I didn't, I just have not handled it well, but I know that it's creating space for some reason. And so I'm trying to focus on being more present and finding that balance. Cause I'm very similar to you and that I always put all my eggs into the career basket. Yeah. And then I look back and I had this realization. I'm like, I, I put so much time and effort into my career and I never once thought about dating or I never once thought about, I mean, I always have great friends, but I'm like, I can't keep doing that for forever. Like this business is only going to be one half of the pie or whatever I do in my life. But mm -hmm. having family and friends is something that I would regret if I didn't go down that path. I totally get that. And it's funny that I'm in the health and wellness business and I tend to neglect my health and wellness the most right now. Like I, my sleep schedule is all messed up. My eating schedule is crazy. I'm trying to fit in these workouts here and there. But like, it's funny that I have all these access accessible health and wellness services at my fingertips and that's the first thing that's slipping because of time or why do you feel that that's the case I think time is definitely one of the biggest factors um and just having this like mundane rhythm going on right now I need to just like crack the mold and get back into my love for it and I think I'm experiencing my first burnout right now which is a little bit scary just from all the hours and yeah, just not taking any time off and just constantly being head first into this business has been pretty scary. But I think once I said, like, once I get these people on board, trained and up to the speed, I'll feel more comfortable to step back and find that love again for it. Take a break. Yes. You need a, <laughs> she needs a meditation or two. I know. I should <laughs> meditate for the last minute of this podcast. <laughs> Advice for people in a similar situation that are going through burnout. Are there certain things that you do? I know you said you're kind of neglecting your health and wellness, but are there certain practices or things that you try to do to get yourself back to centers that you can, so that you can continue showing up for your job? I mean, I always joke about this, but if it weren't for my therapist, like who the hell would know where I am right now? Like she is my saving grace. Two times a week for an hour, that girl just puts me in the best headspace, gets me back on rhythm. Um, so definitely focusing on your mental health and taking care of it and knowing that it's very important. Um, I think just working out, like that's my therapy too, working out, yeah. trying to eat healthy. Um, 
finding things that like make you happy. Like I've tried to get back into running. I want to do the half marathon again. Yeah. So just finding those outlets here and there whenever you can. Yeah. I can hold you accountable to that because okay. I'm, I'm training right now. So let's do it. To, yeah, we can to... do cryo. after. <laughs> yeah, I know I did. I did uh, cryo this morning. And I really liked it. It was like definitely freezing. I kind of, I think it's like my asthma in the past, but like I can feel claustrophobic and I was walking in there. I think the nurse knew she was like, are you good? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I felt like it was, I only did it for two hours or not two hours, two, two minutes. Hours. <laughs> I would have be dead and like frozen in a box for two minutes and 45 seconds. And I felt like it was good until the last 55 seconds. And then that start when I started getting really cold. I was like, okay, I can feel my play leg. A song you love. Yeah. She's like, Alexa. I didn't know what to play. She's like, you can play Kygo. And I was like, okay, that's a good so, one. Yeah. I like to go in with four, like you can go in with four people. So three other friends and you can just go in there and dance and have fun and be weird and have those like three minutes of escape and then come back out and put your clothes on. Is that your favorite thing that you offer? Yeah, I think cryo definitely just because it's so quick. The, um, the benefits are like immediate. Like if I'm having any sort of anxiety or funk or just not feeling myself, I'll just jump into cryo immediately and feel way better. Yeah. I'm like, why was I even sad before? Yeah. It's hard. You're two years younger than me. So for everyone listening, when's your birthday? I just turned 24. Okay. So she just turned 24. I just turned 26. So we're still on that. Like, well, you're definitely a lot younger than me. How do you feel being young and being an entrepreneur has impacted you? Do you feel that you're kind of one in a group of a lot of people doing different things or how has that journey been for you just being so young and starting this? Yeah. So I was actually talking about this to someone the other day. I think it's a really lonely process. Mm -hmm. Um, like I have so many people around me and so many people supporting me, but at the same time, it's so lonely knowing that I'm doing this by myself and just grinding every single day by myself. So I think it makes it even more lonely. Like all my friends have excellent jobs, but at five, they're allowed to just turn that off and pick up the next day. Whereas I am, I can't just turn my brain off. Like on the weekends, my friends don't have to work. I have to just continue to keep grinding and working. And I, I say I have to, I want to, I love to. Um, but it's just, I think it feels lonely when I am doing all this and all my other friends are still doing their nine to fives and get to party on the weekend and enjoy their twenties. Um, and my, my trajectory just looks a little bit different. Do you feel it's given you a different sense of respect for time or how do you feel that this journey has just impacted your outlook on life and maybe how you view overall success? Um, I think just definitely knowing that it's not going to be easy. Like it's it's never been easy. It won't ever be easy. But yeah, just the time thing is definitely my biggest problem. Knowing how to like factor in different hours of the day to get stuff done. And time management's definitely not my strong suit. <laughs> so that's definitely something that I'm going to try to work on. But yeah. I feel like for me, once I started going down this path, path and even with the podcast it just kind of opened my eyes to and I know you mentioned this a little bit when we were talking of like you have to make sacrifices in the short term to really see that long-term success and it's kind of a double-edged sword because when you're younger it's like the things that all of your friends are doing but maybe in 10 15 20 years you're going to be the one kind of on the flip side of that and they're going to be the ones still continuing doing what they're doing so I say it's like a less of two evil almost. It's like either you sacrifice all of your time and your energy now for that later success or you do what everyone else is doing and you're still going to be continuing to do that. And again, it's not a bad thing. I'm not talking down on that, but it's just a different 
Yeah. It's definitely weird because before starting Restore, like I was never the girl to say no to a social event or staying out till 3 a.m. or having fun. And now being the one to like stay in on a Friday night or come home early from an event or not drink because I can't be hungover at work like is so unlike me. But at the same time, it's pretty rewarding because I know that I'm going to be able to put my best foot forward mm-hmm. and go into my day with like complete clear head and ready to grind. How do you feel that this has impacted your relationships outside of work? Do you feel that what you're doing has positively impacted those? Or do you feel like you're starting to surround yourself with like-minded people just because you're going through a unique experience? I think definitely it's sacrificed a few relationships. Like I know that I have so many close friends in Dallas that I haven't seen since the start of this opening. And that's just because I get home every night at 8.30. The thought of going to dinner then and then getting back into bed at 10.30 just sounds awful to me. Yeah. So I just, my time management to see my friends and to keep up with them has definitely slacked and it's unfortunate. I definitely need to make that a more bigger priority. But I I think that's hard because a lot of my close relationships I don't get to see anymore. Yeah. Like even my sister, I got to see her for 30, minute, 30 minutes maybe last night and I get to see her like every two or three weeks. Whereas before this, we would hang out most nights. I see my roommates for like an hour before I go to bed after I'm coming home for work. And so it's just very quick snip, snip pickets of yeah. seeing people. What's one of the biggest things that this entire journey and experience over the last two years has taught you about yourself that you didn't know previously? I don't know. That's a hard one. Um, I think definitely being patient with everything. Like I'm not a patient person at all. I want success immediately. I want things to happen overnight. Um, I'm like I said, I'm a control freak. So if it's not going well, like I just want to throw in the towel and be done. And so definitely being patient. Like I know that my first two months of opening the store, um, the goals that I set weren't met uh, financially. And just knowing that like over time, hopefully I'll get there. And with with all the effort that I'm putting in that I could potentially get there. And so just waiting and success does not happen overnight. Yeah, that's the reminder that I need. My uh, mentor always tells me you need to slow down. Yeah. You're in a race with yourself, but it's hard when you're ambitious and you have all these goals that you want to achieve. It's hard to be patient. But I heard a quote and I said this before, but it's be impatient with action, but be patient with results. And I loved that because when I saw that, I was like, that's just it. Because I think a lot of times uh, people confuse patience with not doing anything. And that Mm -hmm. to me is not patient. That's just not taking action, which in my opinion is kind of just being lazy. So it's like, there's no need to be impatient with taking action. Like if there's things to do, you can do them. But when it comes to results and seeing the growth that you want, that's when you have to be be patient. And I think in that is where character is being built. And you're mm-hmm. like, okay, A, I'm being humbled because this has taken so much work. And B, once I get to that place that I want to go, it's all going to be so worth it. Exactly. I think patience um, lies hand in hand with settling. Like I am a constant settler. I'll settle because it's comfy. I'll settle because like I just don't want to go into the unknown. And so I definitely think even just with hiring people, I'll settle on it just because I don't want to look for the next person or in relationships, I'll settle for a guy because it's fun. It's comfy. It's what I'm used to. And knowing that like, yes, it's going to be hard and hurt for a second and it's going to be challenging to move on to the next thing. Like knowing that settling would be even a bigger disservice to myself to just know, keeping in that trajectory that I'm going on. That's interesting that you say that because I'm on the 
polar opposite side <laughs> of the spectrum, but I don't think either end is a good place to be. I think there's a happy medium because mine is like, I'm a psycho about not settling, but okay. I think to a degree it's almost harmful because I really shoot for the stars and everything, but there has to be a middle ground of like, okay, you got to come down to earth at times. Like I've, I've noticed that myself and even, especially when it comes to relationships, like I feel like I just have a, an image like that my parents and it's like, if it's not not them to a T like obviously there's things that I would want differently but there's like the certain image that I have in my head and like until I see that kind of in front of me or manifest in a way that's similar I'm just not for it so it's interesting for you that why do you feel that that is I think just growing up like always having these different changes like my parents got divorced um I switched schools in fifth grade and then I transferred colleges um for after freshman year and uh from Indiana to Boston University. Well, I didn't know you went to Indiana. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're from Columbus, right? Yeah. Uh, one of my best friends, Keegan, shout out Keegan. He lives in Austin, but he went to IU. I feel like I've met so many people that went to IU. So random. A lot of Pittsburgh people end up at Indiana just because it's not too far Bar, to drive. Yeah. Why'd you transfer to Boston? A lot of different factors. One, I just wanted a bigger city, like being in the middle of Bloomington, Indiana, nothing against it just was not for me. Yeah, that's like I, I need to go to good restaurants. I like to go shopping. I like to go to workout classes. And the closest thing to that in Indiana was like Panera. <laughs> so just yeah. was not for me. So you liked BU? Loved BU. Being in Boston was great. I had so many cool, um, different, uh, like awesome perspectives on life. I was able to see things that in a bigger city and I was able to go to New York a lot where my sister was in the university. So it was just nice being in a bigger city and having more um, resources at my fingertips. List two things or two perspectives that change from being in a big city. Two perspectives that change from freshman year. Yeah. Or you mentioned that like you different things shifted just being in Boston. So are there two things that you initially went into Boston, like thinking this is whether it's this way or whatever. And then you came out being like, wow, this really opened my eyes to a different way of life or a different way of seeing this outcome. I think Boston made me realize that I have to be very successful. Like it's an expensive city and just going day to day living that like that, it you have to grind hard in Boston. There were a lot of people working around you. And so that just my work ethic, I think picked up while living in Boston um, also, just the university itself, it's one of the top 30 colleges in the country. And so studying was a must for me or else I was going to fail out. Yeah. And so my work ethic and studying ethic and just drive, I think, really gained strength over my three years in Boston. And then you went out to L.A. Do you feel that L.A. had similar energy to Boston and Dallas? I kind of... My time in L.A. was so quick. I was only there for three months. Okay. My uh, summer going into senior year. Um, and I was just so focused on my job. And I had a boyfriend out there. And so I just definitely didn't dive into the L.A. that I wanted to. Yeah. Um, and then after college, I just signed a lease out there knowing that I was going to move out there. Just because, again, that was comfortable. It's what yeah. I knew. And I always just like to go with the comfort. Which is so interesting because I feel like starting a business and doing something you've never done is really outside of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there really is a part of you deep down that craves change because if you are always going from passion to passion to passion, it's like you you crave that change, but maybe you're, you just revert back to settling and being comfort with certain things in your life. I think because there's been so much change around me, like I said, I was 
um, transferring schools. My parents were getting divorced. I had different groups of friends all growing up. And so there was always this sense of change around me and uncertainty and like instability. Yeah. That I just would settle with anything that was comfortable because it just felt like I could grab onto it. It was mine. I had to like wholeheartedly put my all into it. And then when change would happen again, like through a breakup or friends having issues, like that's when I would freak out because it's just a constant cycle for me over and over again. How do you overcome change? Um, I think just like accepting what's going on. I've been trying to uh, talk with my therapist about this term called radical acceptance. Um, And it's essentially taking everything that's in front of you for what it is. So if it's bad, if it's good, if it's not, if it's uncomfortable, if it's comfortable, just really taking it for what it is. And it's not saying that you approve it or that you want to continue with it, but it's just being comfortable with it and knowing that this is how it is. What can I do to get over it? And so that's definitely been my biggest challenge of just accepting what's going on and trying to move with emotions with that. Radical. I like that. Radical acceptance. Look it up. It's part of DBT, dialectual behavioral therapy. So it's definitely, that's my past year of therapy. I've been really focused on diving into that. There's, there's things in your story that mine, like, resonate not the parents divorce and stuff like that like I actually I transferred colleges too I went from UK to Ohio State so I do feel like when there is a lot of change when you're younger mm-hmm. our defense mis- mechanism is to try to control the things that we can control which is why I feel like and maybe this is something that resonates with you dove into career because I felt like I could control my career I felt like the energy that I was putting into it was the energy that I was giving like getting, getting back and I, I have noticed that I, I don't have a therapist, but like I do so much intense work on myself because that's just how I am. But I feel like I sit with myself so long and that's something that I notice about myself too. I don't know where the settling thing come from. I think that's just like me being a Leo and just like having this confidence. I'm a Leo. Really? <laughs> yes. Okay. It all makes sense. You're like a little mini me, not mini me, but you're two years younger than me. Um, but I do feel like that's the part of me that's like never settled. I feel like that's more ego driven, but I do kind okay, of. I need to get that Leo side of me. I never understood where the control, because I didn't go through, again, like kind of, I didn't go through the life events that were so big, but I always try to figure out like, where did that come from in me? And I think my outlet has always been sports. It's always been running Mm -hmm. and then it's always been my career. And I started to notice that, but I'm like, and kind of to your point, like there's a lot in business that you can't control. So I feel like with this radical acceptance, acceptance, it's like, you just have to accept whatever's right in front of you for what it is and for me it's not attaching to an outcome or like not attaching a feeling like I always think everything with logic even if it doesn't make logical sense I'm like oh it can't be right when in reality it's like some things are heart-based you just have to lean into that and then that's where you break through and the magic starts to happen yeah I I totally understand that I think I'm on the complete opposite side it's so funny we have so many different sides we need to learn from each other but I think I look at everything with an emotional mind and so when I come into work and I'm like really sad and not having a good day, that translates over into my work, which is definitely something I need to work on. Yeah. But I think recently I've just trying to know that all these emotions are not permanent. So like one day mm-hmm. when I'm coming in and I'm like, I got this, I'm a badass. Like I'm meant for this. This is like my goal. This is my dream. I know that like maybe within an hour, maybe within 10 minutes, maybe within a week, my mindset's going to shift to like fuck, I hate this all. I regret starting this business. Like, get me out of it. I don't have confidence in myself. Like, What am I doing? 
So I think just these highs and lows are so normal, especially within the first year, that it's going to like take a toll on your mental health and like be really daunting and scary when you're having these different crazy shifts in mindset. The biggest or not the biggest, but one of the pieces of advice that someone at my old company gave me was in sales and this translates to entrepreneurship. It's like when there's a high, don't go too high. Don't rise with the tide. And when it's low, don't go low. You just need to find an even ground. And I'm naturally a very energetic out there person. Yeah. And I try not to sulk in the lows, but that is something that I always keep in my mind when something really, really good is happening. I'm like, okay, I can't really attach myself to that because soon it's going to fall down. Or if I'm in a bad, like right now, it's like I'm in a part of my life where I'm not happy with the situation. Like I, I can't control it. I just feel like what the heck is going on? Mm-hmm. But I know that this is soon enough. It's all going to change and I'm going to recognize why this happened. So I feel like it's just kind of keeping this. It's temporary. It's all temporary. I keep telling myself that. And even when I'm feeling good, I'm like, okay, this is going to change any second, but try not to attach onto it and ride with it. I also think it's hard to, sometimes I find myself not getting very excited. Everyone always says, enjoy the process. And I try to, but I feel like every time I like get super excited about something in the process, I like take myself down because I'm like, okay, Aaron, you can't get too excited because something else is going to happen. So I'm trying to allow myself to enjoy those little moments and not like overindulge while also at the same time, not being so hyper-focused on the next goal. Do you feel that you're someone that sets strict goals and it, if you don't hit them, you're hard on yourself? Goal setting is actually one of my biggest weakness. Like right now, I'm just hiring on a new uh, business coach to help me with the goal setting because I don't even know where to turn with that. I'm like, okay, I'm like making good sales days. I'm doing all the things I can do, but where am I supposed to be in three months, six months, nine months? And that's something I don't know. And so I need someone to guide me and at least hold my hand for a few weeks to help me with. So like I said, don't be scared to ask for that person because that's not something I know how to do. My brain doesn't work that way. You're really good at asking for help. Was Not there a, always. <laughs> but I feel like you're good at outsourcing and like going to therapy or asking people for advice. I feel like you, you're, you I mean, it seems just from this conversation, do you feel that's because of failures and mistakes that you've made from the past? You're like, okay, it's just, this is how I have to do it. Yeah, I think I've messed up so many times in my life, just personally, like work-wise, school-wise, friends-wise, relationship-wise, like all the above, family-wise. That I think that like at this point in my life, like the only person I have to blame for that is myself. And so asking for the help and getting that help is so important so that you don't continue to make mistakes and that you can grow and you can learn and just be like the best version of yourself that you can be. And if you're trying, that's all you can do. What's one of the biggest mistakes that you've made that you look back on now and you're like, that actually led me to the place that I was supposed to be? Oh, God. that is one hard question you can give multiple if there's multiple will you go first what's one of the biggest mistakes i've made yeah oh that's a hard question um i don't know i'm trying to think of like a, a huge mistake that i've made in my life i will say that almost and that's actually funny because i never put myself in uh well, not never, but I usually don't put myself in uh, like serious relationships. Like I've never been in one, but I will say that's one thing that I've learned over the past 12 months is every mistake that I've made in a personal relationship has taught me something about myself that I apply to business. For example, I've always kind of been like very closed off and just like 
hard-headed. It's my way. It's this way. I've just never really, that's just how I've been. Like until I was 25, until I was making six figures, I wanted nothing to do with a guy. And especially with like losing my job and all this stuff, it just really taught me that like, there's not just one way to do things. And Mm -hmm. if you put all of your eggs into one basket, I think I sacrificed a lot to get where I am. But if you keep going down this road, you're going to have all of this money and all these things, but who are you going to share it with? And then you're going to be lonely. And it's like, to your point, entrepreneurship is a very lonely journey. And so I don't want to embark on that and close myself off to a relationship or something that's going to make me better and improve my overall value of life, which I just don't think that I recognize. So I would say that's probably one of the biggest mistakes that I look back on in my early 20s. And I'm like, I wish I was a little bit more open-minded. Mm-hmm. I wish I was a little bit more uh vulnerable in situations because I think it could be a Leo thing, but I just never leaned into vulnerability because I thought it was a weakness when in reality, it's a strength. And the second I flipped that switch on myself, I noticed all the energy come back to me. And some of the biggest feedback that I've gotten or compliments have always been around authenticity and vulnerability. And so it's funny how the things that you think or society tells us not to be are really the things that you should be doing. So it's a very long winded answer. Uh, to one of the biggest mistakes, but I look back and that's one thing I wish I did differently. Got Your it. turn. I think to my point earlier, my biggest mistake is just constantly settling. Like always settling with guys that I know that aren't meant for me, but I'm just want to be with them because it's comfort, it's attention, it's yeah, that high, that adrenaline rush. Yeah. So I think just settling and pushing on a relationship to the point where it gets unhealthy mm-hmm. and then you're like, shit, I should have ended this six months ago two years ago um but and then just having that like heartbreak so um, settling is definitely my biggest thing that I regret doing and a lot even just with friends too just because it's comfortable I've always just held on to a few people just because I don't want to go through that process of losing someone again advice for someone out there listening because I know there's definitely someone out there listening that resonates with that story on how to overcome that initial reaction and just like that that default of settling so how to be someone that doesn't settle there's certain things that you're doing to overcome that and become more confident and more I don't want to say alpha what's the right word here but like to not settle and just move more in that direction that's a good question I need to find it myself because I can say that even just a few months ago like I've settled for a guy that I know that wasn't for me and so I just figuring that out I need to just hold, not hold on to things that I know just out of comfort or easy for me. Um, even translated over to work thing, like holding on to employees that aren't meant for me, that okay. I don't love, that don't share that passion for me just because it's comfortable and it's easy and it's, they'll take some things off your plate. So, yeah. yeah I, any advice I'll take it too because <laughs> I need it. It's hard. And I, I, I just think being young is one of the hardest things to overcome because you just don't know what you don't know Mm -hmm. it's like anything in life and every time there's people that are older than me or they're like Aaron I promise you the season of your life is a blessing it's like I understand that and my financial advisor gave me this analogy he's like you're in the jar right now so like think of a pasta jar and there's writing on the outside we all see the writing but you're stuck in the jar and he's like soon enough you're going to be on the outside of it and you're going to be like okay why was I freaking out and so I always once he said that I'm like that is genius like that anytime I feel like I'm stuck in the jar which is right now and I know this at my core like I know everything happens for a reason moving to Dallas was the best decision I ever made. Looking back, I was crying for three weeks. I was, my mom's like, sweet geez, you are a hot mess express. I moved. I'm like, why was I crying? 
Like this was the best decision I ever made. Yeah. I'm sure when I move to Austin, it's going to be the exact same situation. Like anytime I'm pushed way outside of my comfort zone or I'm making a decision that's just like, what are you doing? You don't know no one in Dallas or you're moving to Austin just on a whim. Like these are kind of the decisions like similar to you I make, but every single time it always works out. So I'm like, you just have to understand that it's going to lead you to the right place. It's funny you say that though. I keep asking myself like how many lessons do mm. I need until I'm like, all right, Gabby, like it's enough. So I just, not even like bad lessons, good yeah. lessons too. I'm like, I have had so many like big red alerts in my face where I'm like, okay, I've got this lesson. I need to grab onto it and grow from it. And But like how many are those going to be? <laughs> Give us two to three things, two to three lessons that you've learned recently. Oh, I like this. Two to three lessons I've learned recently. Or just in your life that you're like, wow, these are the things that are really standing out to me, whether it's business or personally. Um, good question. <laughs> Let's see. All right. Number one, I think would definitely be it's okay to mess up. Mm. And like it's okay that if you hurt someone or if you did something wrong or anything that you're not proud of. But what's not okay is to not make up for it and not try to work on yourself and not to like improve yourself. Like I said, like take that lesson, work with it and make yourself better with it so that it doesn't happen again. You don't hurt anyone else um, and you just grow as a person. And I think that's definitely, I hurt people a few times. And so just growing from that and making sure that it doesn't continue to happen and be the best version of yourself so you can move forward, repair relationships. Yeah. I love that. I've, I've learned the most when I've been the one that hurt someone, which I yeah. think is such a... I mean, the guilt and shame. You're like, oh my God, why did I say or do or act like that? You're like, that is so not in line with my values and characteristics. Yeah. And it's always those times you're like in your room crying. And you're like, why did I do that? I know. <laughs> but then you look back and you're like, I'm never going to make that mistake again, which I think the things that hurt the hardest, if you're going through something, it's like that is 1000% going to make you so much stronger because you never, for me, I never want to feel that way again. Like mm -hmm. some of the times that people have looked at me, if I've hurt, like I can still to this day, like see their face and like their disappointment. I'm like, I never want someone to ever look at me that way ever again. So I am never going to repeat that behavior. Yeah. It's such an eye-opening experience. It is. It's crazy. And, but it's even more frustrating when you make mistakes that you've already made because yeah. you're like, why am I putting myself back in the shoes that I've already done? Yeah. And that's, I think, when at least I'm the hardest on myself. Yeah. We're a, my hardest critic, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is very uh, detrimental. Yeah. I've, I've learned that one the hard way as well. Um, two final questions, and then we'll begin to wrap this up. For you, I've been asking this question lately because it's been on the top of my mind. What does success look like for you as a 23-year-old entrepreneur? 24. 24, shit, sorry. <laughs> Don't forget that extra year. <laughs> See, you want to be older. I'm like, I want to be 24. <laughs> um, what does success look like? I think when I'm finally happy. Like, I don't care how much money I make. I know it sounds cliche, but like, I think when I'm finally happy and I don't think to this point in my life that I've ever can say and like look in the mirror and be like, I am happy. Like I've always been striving for something else or just yeah. moving through the motions and grooving and just wasting away time looking for my next outlet of happiness. So I think when I finally can be content with who I am personally, yeah. then that will translate over into my work life. I love that. 
And happiness is something that's found from within. It's not fine in the external, which I think age will start to teach you that. But that's one thing that I learned. I think when you're always looking for the next thing, you're looking externally for a validation or a fleeting feeling when really all of it is truly inside of you. And once you... I also don't think you're always happy. Like I've noticed that there's some days where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. And other days where I'm like, oh, I feel like crap. It's just noticing that emotion kind of and like letting it go. We're Mm -hmm. not attaching to that. And then coming back to the things that make you happy, whether that's running or whatever, exactly. all of those. I think I've I've noticed myself doing that all the time. Like I look for the next best thing to make me happy, mm-hmm. whether that's a trip, whether that's a guy, whether that's a new pair of shoes or whatever it is, I'm always looking for that high and inter- uh, externally. And I need to start looking for that high, like internally and just being content with where I am right now. Yeah. You're so, it takes so much time. I mean, even for me, like the growth that I had from 24 to 26, I can only imagine what it's going to be from 26 to 30. Mm -hmm. So I feel like when you're young, it's so hard and you, it's just an uncomfortable position to be in. Like you're graduating from college. You were similar to me. I didn't like school. I'm like, why did I just spend four years of my life doing nothing? Like Mm -hmm. I did not enjoy college at all. I never liked school. So I'm like, and then I'm moving to a brand new city. I know absolutely no one. I'm starting a job that, I'm not even passionate about like you're just thrown into so many situations that it's like navigating that all while trying to work on yourself is just a hodgepodge of emotions and drama that you're just like what is going on yeah and just just trying to put that smile on and pretend you're okay yeah because people outside are going to look for you and make sure you're okay and you just want to keep smiling yeah and I'm inside you're like breaking yeah I'm like, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. I know when people are like, how are you doing? I'm like, great, great. I'm great and great, great until I start crying when you ask me if I'm okay. <laughs> it's like one question. You're like, what? Like, oh my God, and come the waterfalls. <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. What's your vision for a restore for the next three to five years? Where do you want this business to go? I want to be known as the best health and wellness facility in Dallas, whether that's like an outlet from your family, whether that's taking care of people's medical needs, like I want us to be known as the best of the best of the best customer service-wise, service-wise, all the above. Um, Just having that awesome reputation and helping people do more of what they love and feel good on the day-to-day. Like nothing's been more rewarding than having, I have a handful of clients that come to me um, and do all these services and just seeing how happy they are and smile. Like one of my clients brought me a bottle of wine the other day because he was like, I am so appreciative for what you're doing for me. And so just seeing the impact yeah. that I'm making on everyone and realizing this is why I'm doing it. Yeah. Serving others. There's Serving no others. better feeling. It's like it gives you more when you give to others. Exactly. Yeah. And I just thought, there yeah. was another one who came in. She was having a hard day and you could tell that she was just not doing her best and just putting her into a free service for that day and just knowing that like I could be the difference between her going home and like hysterically crying and having a better day just from one small thing. You put it out there in the universe. In five years, you're going to be. You'll the, get it back. You're going to be the number one. Five years or less, you're going to be the best place in Dallas. Thank you so much for being on. This was Thank such a fun you. conversation. I have one last question for you, which is what I ask everyone. So, Gabby, what are you grateful for today? My health. Your health. That's a good one. Being able to run, being able to smile, being able to travel, being able to work. My health. Yeah. Especially yeah. since my mom's sick at home, so that definitely makes me all the more invested in my health and wanting to do more for her well well we have that in common too yay more to talk about (laughs) 
I swear, my my poor, well, my mom got in a bad car accident. Like four, years. I've talked about this on the podcast, but she got in a terrible car accident like five years ago. She hasn't been able to walk. They kind of fixed that issue, and then now she has something else going on. And I'm just like, that's my mom right now. She's on a walker. She's trying to get back up and strong, but it's just one thing after the next. And that's why I'm so grateful for my health. So yeah. I can do it for her. I run for her. I work for her. I yeah, do it all. It's wild. And you think back to those situations in your life. And I always I say my health all the time. And I'm like, it's so cheesy, but it's so true because you just overthink it. Even like drinking water, having healthy food, like there's so many things that we just overlook until they're taken away from you. And health is always one like talk about control. If I can't run or do something, God save me. Now that I have meditation and I don't need to move for that, like I can literally sit and be still and use my breath. Mm -hmm. But even that sometimes I'm like. It's just you don't recognize these little things until a li- like a life event happens and you're like, wow, this really opened up my eyes and my perspective to what's going on around me. Exactly. All right. Well, I am going to say I am grateful for, I always say my what health. What are you grateful for? I don't know. I, I, I need to know this. Actually, I wrote down this morning, I'm very grateful for my friends that I have in Dallas. I feel like the last few months have just really shown me like who is there for me and showing up when you need them the most, especially like this studio has been awesome. So that is what I am grateful for. And thank you so much for being on.